0: Welcome to The Wonder, exploring perspectives, rituals, and observances of modern naturalistic earth-revering pagan religious paths.
1: Here are your hosts, Yucca and Mark. Welcome back to The Wonder, science-based paganism. I'm your host, Mark. And I'm Yucca. And it's been a little while, and we've missed you folks, and we're glad to be back on the air. Today, we're going to talk about monsters.
0: Yes, and i love that we're talking about it now as we're going into the dark of winter rather than as you know kind of your spooky october topic which is it's appropriate for them that time as well but i think there's more kinds of monster to explore than just the your your spooky halloween monster
1: yeah for sure the reason that we decided to talk about this today is that The day after this episode will drop is December 5th, which is Krampusnacht in in Bavaria and Switzerland, parts of those Germanic countries where Krampus, the terrible, you know, devil-like huge hairy monster with big fangs, wearing chains and carrying bells and big whips to whip people with comes marching down the street and might take your children and stuff them in his basket and go running away if they're bad mm-hmm.
0: yeah and so there's a lot of just very similar European figures who takes the children or the the anyone who's misbehaved away in their sack or their basket or things like that
1: yeah yes and of course I mean it it seems likely that those folkloric, Expressions probably have pre-Christian roots, mm-hmm. but they definitely have that Christian overlay of you have to behave or you get punished. Right. In them. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is probably a newer part of the traditions, actually. In 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 my experience or my conjecture, mm-hmm. most monsters folklorically get appeased. Right, mm-hmm. you you give them food, or you drive them away, or there's 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 some way that you deal with the monsters so that they don't eat your family and all that right. kind of stuff.
0: I think it'd be really fascinating to talk to a scholar about that and see, you know, where where that holds true, and are there certain cultures not so much, and does that seem to change when Christianity comes in? But it seems like a lot of that also still survived especially thinking about like in Ireland and places like that with, Mm -hmm. with some of the different kinds of spirits that they're, that appeasing
1: is still there. Yes. Um, Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because, well, like in, in Ireland, you don't, you don't want to mess with the she. Mm -hmm. you know, if you run into them, then you, you do whatever it is that they want. And then you get away as fast (laughs) as you possibly can. So yeah, monsters. And there are, there are a bunch of different kinds of monsters when I think about it, and they kind of represent different things. Hmm. Why don't you why don't you say what you were talking about before we started about the predators? Yes.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think just just thinking about it, I've always thought that we as humans, we have evolved during a time period where there were lots of creatures that would eat us. We had plenty of predators. And today we live in this really very strange time period for our species in which typically we don't really have to worry about that. I mean, Mm. I might take some bear mace with me if I go hiking in the mountains, but that's not the same reality that our ancestors would have been dealing with, where there were big shaggy things with giant teeth that might stalk you and eat you, or big birds that come out of the sky and take your kids away. Like those were realities for us as we were evolving. And I suspect that we still remember that, that that's still programmed into us, even though that's something that we don't necessarily deal with, but we still have that fear. We still have that awareness. And so we create these things to fit that expectation that we have.
1: For sure. For sure. And And that's why monsters reflect the characteristics of predators in many ways. They have big teeth Mm -hmm. and long claws and they're giant and strong and, you know, all the, all the things that are hidden in the shadows. Yes. Right. Yeah. Right. Yes. They're, they're, they're able to turn invisible or, you know, all those kind of supernatural applications as well. And of course, the time that we ascribe mostly to the arrival of monsters is when it's dark. Uh right. because the the thing that leaps out of the dark and gets you is, is a, a core trope to being human, right? Right. Because we are
0: diurnal, right? Mm-hmm. We are active in the day. Our senses, our our vision is best during the day, right? The night is that mysterious time period where where the predators, yeah, they maybe they could have gotten us during the day, but it'd be a lot easier to get us when we can't see them.
1: Sure, sure. Yeah. So, you know, many of these kind of folkloric monster images, and and you're right, they exist in various forms throughout Europe, certainly, and in other places as well, where you have these kind of maniacal or diabolical kind of figures that, that mean us harm. Mm -hmm. um and in in many cases there those represent core fears that we have and the fear of being eaten or having our progeny eaten is right up there at the top of the list (laughs) yeah Uh, that's 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 definitely
0: very pre-human that's been with us for a long time
1: yes because if it wasn't you didn't survive to reproduce and you were out of the gene pool yep But there are other kind of monster ideas as well that go to other core fears that we have. And it's interesting, you were talking about how we're living in a time when, you know, we it's very rare for someone to actually be killed by a predator. Although about 2,500 people are killed by hippos every year.
0: And, and of course, there's humans. We become our own predators.
1: That's where I was going, is that increasingly the 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 scary story that has appeal and fascination for people is about monster humans mm-hmm. and that can be everything from the the endless serial killer stuff right. that keeps playing out there and you know all the sort of crime mastermind fiction that that people seem to lap up mm-hmm. but it can also go to historical figures I mean you know people, there are people who are fascinated by Hitler because he was such a monster.
0: Right. You know? I, th- I think also some of the popular monsters that are, they're pretty much humans just with maybe a little trait, like, like vampires. Vampires uh-huh. are, are still human really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but they're a monster or zombies, right? They were humans, but now they're something, something else.
1: Right. Right. But what, do do those two monsters have in common they have broken the rule about death being permanent yeah they they have returned from death and we are terrified of death Mm -hmm. so yeah the whole idea of like monkeying with you know with death that's really scary and we've got all kinds of monsters that are are lined up as you say zombies and vampires and you know various kinds of animated corpses and ghouls and all those kinds of things that, that really scare people. So one of the things that's really fascinating to me about all this is, that we were talking about before we started recording is that we do have a fa- we, we want some of that fear. Mm-hmm. We're attracted to it. I mean, the horror genre is huge. People are really, really attracted to it. And that's kind of an odd one to me. Mm-hmm. That we would choose to expose ourselves to things that cause the hair to rise on the back of our neck, which is a a, a relic, right. a, vest, a vestige of something where we used to have fur and it used to make us look larger when, you know, when we got the goose flesh. Mm-hmm. Which uh, you can see with
0: um, some of our companion animals like cats. When my cat gets spooked, <laughs> he becomes very, especially his tail is just huge. You're just like how do how do you have that much fur on your body, right? But he looks a lot bigger all of a sudden, and and very
1: I wouldn't want to mess with him when he's freaked Mm -hmm. out like that. Right, right, yeah. So, so what is that? You know, our our deep attraction to to monsters, to to the scary experience of confronting something that we feel is dangerous to us. I think that there's a very practical. Um,
0: reason for that. I think it goes back to that predator fascination that we see, not just in humans, but in other species where you need to learn about the dangerous thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe actually in real life, you don't really need to worry about vampires coming to get you, but we don't really know the difference. (laughs) We just know that this is something that is dangerous so there's a fascination there's an interest you learn a little bit more about it in your interest in it and then maybe you've got a better chance to survive so just from just a very kind of basic survival level I think that that's important
1: that makes sense that does that makes sense I mean obviously being completely uninformed about this dangerous thing isn't going to do you any good yeah 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 that right. does make sense you were you were saying before we recorded that monkeys will evince some of this behavior,
0: yeah, we've seen it in monkeys, some different fish species the I'm trying to remember the specifics on the one I was reading about monkeys, but I think it was something like there was like a snake in the box, and they would go up and and peek into the box. And there was, of course, the social interaction of, oh, who's going to get close enough to do it? And we see it more in adolescents than older members. King. Yeah. And I think that that feeds into the idea of it partially being about learning to survive, that the scary play is partly about let's learn to survive. But we still see in humans, we, we see it with all ages. But mm-hmm. I think that we... As a species, we we keep learning our whole lives. It's not like we just learn our, our skills and we're done. Mm-hmm. But we add this extra layer because we're the storytellers, right? We understand the world through narrative, through myth, through story. And so I think that's probably where we why we add in all of the, the magical bits and the monster with this ability and that ability because that's just how we think that's how we experience things
1: yeah that that absolutely makes sense and one of the things about being a storytelling organism is that we're always looking to insert ourselves as a character in narratives Mm -hmm. so you know the story of when i met a vampire or the story of you know, the scary thing that I saw that I escaped from, those Mm -hmm. kinds of things become important folklore that you hand on. Right. Yeah. Um, And of course, when it comes to those, those undead things, those reanimated monsters, you know, some of that is just people's not understanding the natural decomposition process. There are, you know, there are like skeletons that they've found buried with a brick in the jaws to try to keep them from being becoming a vampire, stuff like that in Eastern Europe. And the theory is that they just that these these bodies had not decomposed quickly enough mm-hmm. and that uh, they they appeared too lifelike and that that was deemed to have some kind of Very uncomfortable Yes, made made people uncomfortable, and so they had to do something in order to prevent it from rising up and and coming to get them. Because of course, the only thing that a, a reanimated dead person would be interested in doing is rising up and coming to get you.
0: It's the thing that would be scary. That's the thing you'd be worried about, right? Right. Um. Right. If they do something else, they get up to go dance around in the moonlight. Like that's it's a little unnerving, but it's not threatening,
1: right? right. There's a wonderful scene in the Tim Burton animated movie, The Corpse Bride, where (coughs) the the living family and the dead family are meeting at the wedding. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's this terrified family of living people who are shaking and quaking. And here come these skeleton people until this little kid says, Grandpa? Grandpa? (laughs) <laughs> and it changes everything, of course, because it's like, oh, yeah, OK, th- th- these are family people. These are people that I have a connection to. They're not going to hurt me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's I, I love that scene. Mm. Yeah, so in, in these Germanic places, there will be Krampus parades and so forth. People are really very serious about this. The costumes are amazing. <laughs> and I would love to see the the processions myself in person someday, but there's always YouTube mm-hmm. where you can see a lot of that stuff. And we, when we think about monsters, you know, it, it occurred to me when we were kind of framing, talking about this, the other, the other form of monster is the kind of monsters that we find inside us. Mm-hmm. You know, the the parts that we don't like, the parts that we find scary, mm-hmm. the the impulses that kind of terrify us. Of our inner demons. Yes. Might, okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and the parts that are self-destructive to us, you know, the, the parts that mean us harm and tell us bad things about ourselves and, you know, urge us to harm ourselves and things like that. And for some people, and, you know, for me at other times in my life that, those have been life-threatening. They've been really dangerous, dangerous aspects of myself. We'll put a link in the show notes to our episode from a couple of years ago about demons
0: mm-hmm.
1: and about naturalistic paganism demonology mm-hmm. in a psychological sense and working with those demons in within the framework of how demons are supposed to work, right? Like you bind them and you you know to protect yourself and you negotiate with them in order to make a deal you know all that kind of stuff it's a pretty interesting episode i think people will like it
0: yeah there's also so we talked about monsters the other um and monsters self but i think we also go through when you look at the movies that come out and what monsters are popular I think on a societal level, we use that as a process, like a a way that we process or cope with things that are going on on a societal level. Like, yes. it, like there'll be like a few years where everything's about zombies for a while, and we'll have the few years where it's about apocalypses. And I think that that's just us trying to work through the stuff that's happening on a on a big scale, not just the individual scale.
1: Right. It's cathartic, right? Yeah. Because you go through this emotional arc when you're in a movie, uh, presumably. And that's what kind of defines what a good movie is, right? The level of intensity of emotion that you experience when you go through it. A movie that's kind of boring is not very good. Right. Um, So, yeah. I mean, we've had all these zombie movies recently. um, And and also movies like pandemic and other other movies that sort of foretold the arrival of a pandemic that would sweep the world and and kill people and be very dangerous Mm -hmm. um the the times that we're in we're confronted with things that people feel powerless to confront huge forces Mm -hmm. and in that feeling of powerlessness they seek some kind of catharsis that can help them to feel a little bit more at peace with these challenges. I right. Think.
0: And to have something that they can do, right? And yes. maybe, uh, you know, I I have no idea with the brick um, example that you were giving, but I could imagine myself being in that situation where that it felt like you were taking a step, Right. And maybe you don't believe it really, but it's that symbolic step, like what we talk about in ritual of, I'm going to, we're going to do this act and this is going to change how we feel about it.
1: Yes. 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 And you can see how in a little community, you know, a community leader who might be completely, you know, making this up on the fly might have decided, okay, we're going to put this brick in their mouth you know everybody gather around we're going to put this brick in their mouth and then we're going to bury them face down and that's going to prevent them from rising up and everybody else believes it because the leader figure said it was going to happen that way and said it with authority mm-hmm. and in our rituals we can similarly say with confidence we may not entirely believe that yeah. you know i am going to get this job i am going to i'm going to have a successful high-stakes meeting. I'm going to write 5,000 words this week, whatever it is.
0: But placebo still works, even when you know it's placebo.
1: Yep. Yep. The the open-label placebo effect, and it's really, really cool. Yeah. So, and that's a lot of what we're about here, is just talking about how we can use that effect to better our lives and Give us more of a sense of connection with everything that's going on around here. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, where else would you like to go with this? I know we had talked a little bit about the kind of winter connection, maybe winter as as the ultimate predator,
1: perhaps. Yeah, I, I do think that there is something about the fact that all of these monsters seem to arise just as it's starting to get really dark. Mm-hmm. And there was, at least in Victorian England, a tradition of telling ghost stories around the the Christmas time, the solstice time. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think reflects, you know, that sense that, you know, the weather is howling outside and it's pitch black and it's very, very hostile to our survival. Is you that know, part
0: of where our ghosts of Christmas past and present come from?
1: I part I of that think, tradition. I think so. It was it was very normal to have ghost stories at Christmas time in Victorian England, and Dickens just capitalized on that and then created a, a sort of moral parable, about being kind to others and and being generous to those that are disadvantaged. Dickens was a radical. There were a lot of people that were, that were not at even though he, his his work was widely beloved, there were people who felt that his, his messages were
0: too extreme
1: um, yes that they were revolutionary right? and that they they threatened to topple the social order
0: well cuz he was saying it's not enough just to be a fair businessman mm-hmm. you've got to be you have got to go beyond that right you yes. actually got to take care of your fellow yeah
1: right right yeah so that's actually a tradition that i've been trying to restart um myself for my own celebrations and so forth is uh telling ghost stories around the, the solstice mm. uh reading them and telling them even though of course I don't believe in ghosts <laughs> but it's still cool right the monsters are still cool
0: there's yeah there's something about it right you get that
1: little kind of tickle down your spine yeah so that sh- yeah that shiver yep yeah it's good and um,
0: speaking of solstice that is goodness that's two weeks
1: it's coming up
0: yeah, that's right yeah. around the corner.
1: Yeah, coming up really fast. So we'll be talking about that, of course, and how we celebrate and all the different rituals and meanings that, that the the midwinter solstice can have in upcoming episodes. But thought we'd spend a little time with the monsters this week. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: It definitely, it's definitely something interesting to think about. So I haven't given it a lot of thought before, but now that we've been talking about it, I'm starting to go, oh, hmm, it's got, yeah, I'm going to be thinking about it for a while.
1: It's one of those things like dancing and singing and other music making that I observe in humans and at my, when I try to click back to the, the you know, the, the 30,000 foot level and look down at humans as just these sort of subjects. Where I have this these questions about, well, why did those things evolve? You know, they're they're obviously inherent in who we are because every culture has them. Right. They're not cultural. They're they're hardwired into us. And similarly, you know, the that dance with with this the scary unknown mm-hmm. is very much something that is a part of human character. So yeah, I thought it would be a cool thing to talk about today. And of course, we can talk about singing and dancing and all those good kinds of things at another time. We will. That'll be great.
0: Yeah. So. Well. Yeah. I yep. going to say thank you for being here with us on the podcast. And we're we're happy to be back with all of you.
1: Uh, and a, a hint. If Krampus tries to whack you with his switches, if you jump at the same time, it doesn't hurt so much. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Maybe that's where our, all of our hopscotch and jump rope and all that stuff comes from.
1: Maybe so. Is, it, is there anything you can give them?
0: Can you trade them? Your you know, I'm not cookies sure. Cookies or brownies or
1: I'm I'm know. really I I I haven't heard of anything like that and I think that that's probably mostly because the modern resurgence of the tradition you know the monsters are really into being monsters they they don't want to be appeased they they just really want to be monsters (laughs) but but maybe traditionally there was something that you could do in order to keep Krampus from coming to your house
0: well perhaps that was the moral ahead of time that behave if Krampus is on his way maybe it's too late but you you know you could have done better earlier so (laughs) watch out all you young generation take it to heart so
1: (laughs) All right. Well, it's lovely as always talking with you, Yucca. And um, we'll see you all next week, folks.